she continued with a hint of irony in her voice. Why, the last crime I put in the paper was nothing more than a prank. Kid stuff. Shooting off a gun like that could get someone hurt. His reflexes, not his brain, caused his new artificial hand to make a jabbing gesture. It was meant to emphasize his point, but the plastic-covered mechanical fingers overshot and thunked dully against the window glass. It's unusual, I admit. The woman, Harriet Wilcox, had told him she was the editor of the Moondance Ledger. To hear her talk, there was nothing to report in that Utah town but church news. Graham retrieved his hand. What was it the therapist had promised? Oh, yes. Lifelike realism. Skin texture to match your own. He dropped the appendage into his lap and stared at it. Like hell it was lifelike. Only babies had skin like that. I don't like guns, Graham said. I never did. Two years in the Army had taught him they were designed for one purpose only, and that was to kill. You can relax, Harriet said. I recognize them now. The one in uniform, that's our sheriff. He's not one to fire off a shot without good reason. They must need help, and badly. The men were about a hundred yards away now, steadily working their way down the mountainside toward the car and State Highway 30. Every so often they disappeared from sight as they wound their way around outcroppings of sharp gray rock. There wasn't another car in sight on the lonely road leading into Moondance, Utah. For that matter, Graham hadn't spotted a single vehicle since the station wagon turned off the main highway 30 miles back. Graham, tired and grimy after an all-night bus ride, closed his eyes for a moment. When he opened them, the trio of men had reached a particularly difficult place, a granite molar that had decayed on one side to form a jagged rockfall. Their progress became painfully slow. One of them looks like he might be hurt, she said. She sounded personally concerned. Graham nodded. The man in the middle was moving at what could best be described as a constant stumble. Twice, while his forward progress continued, he twisted his torso around to peer behind him, and each time he almost fell. Only quick work by his companions kept him from taking a headlong plunge down the mountainside. If I didn't know our mare better, she said, I'd think he'd been drinking. Graham jerked around to look her in the face to see if she was serious. He'd known Harriet Wilcox all of two hours now, not much time to give him insight into her character. One thing was certain, though. She wasn't grinning at him. But then he had yet to see her smile. Even when they'd first met, 45 miles back in the town of Camus, her face had remained impassive, although she had walked right up and offered him a ride. How do you know where I'm going? She stepped closer, then shook her head at him. She was pretty, though she did her best to hide it, with brown hair cut so short that it precluded any kind of styling, and rimless glasses that made no concession to fashion. The bus driver told me, she answered. The fact is, 
I'm your only chance. If you don't ride with me, God knows how you'll ever get to Moondance. You don't even know me. I could be a mugger. Or worse. You're Jack Graham, old Lou's nephew. I heard that from the bus driver, too, at least the Mr. Graham part. The rest, I figured, because you happen to look a lot like the old boy. He shrugged. You're lucky, she continued. This is the first time in weeks I've come into Camus. The fact is I only came in to pick up a package that arrived on your bus. She held up a small parcel as if to verify her story. He immediately felt uneasy at not being able to carry it for her. But he was having trouble enough with his own two suitcases, one of which held his paints and brushes. So much dead weight, really. He should have tossed out the stuff back in Los Angeles.